life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility. But driving shouldn't be just another chore. We're here to help you find a car you love. Something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car to Be. As you know, I had a quick trip to Los Angeles. Just got back today, mm -hmm. and yeah. I... Uh, Hanging out in the airport, trying to get an earlier flight. And so I was in the Delta Lounge and mm -hmm. doing some work on the computer and looked up and I saw this guy that I thought, oh, I kind of recognize him. And Googled him. That I tried to find. I couldn't really remember his name. And, okay. And uh, turns out, yeah, he was a celebrity. And then he was happened to be on my flight coming to Salt Lake. Okay. It was Brian Setzer. Oh, interesting. The rockabilly guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I looked him up, you know, looked up his tour dates, and sure of enough... Of the orchestra is what you're saying. That's yes. right. Of the Stray Cats. Uh -huh, he yeah. was big in the 80s and yeah. then revitalized his career in, like, the 90s. Yeah. And... He's had, like, the occasional hit almost every decade kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah huh. I mean, sleeve tattoos, both arms. Yeah. Just cool rock star looking guy. Cool. But everybody's just kind of walking around him like, whatever. He's just a guy. Yeah. Well, because in L.A., he's, he's the minor celebrity there. I mean, that doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he was on my mob. flight. He was cool. going to Billings, Montana for some blues festival or something. Cool. And I thought, all right, cool. Hey, Brian Setzer's on my flight. Funny. Right on. I had a mind to ask him, what do rockabilly guitarists drive? And maybe invite him on the podcast. But I didn't. Funny. I didn't want to be that guy. Funny. We're, we're, we're stacking up a couple new guests that are going to come up here. We can't announce them yet. We've got a couple of emails that are happening right now back and forth in the inbox. We're trying to line up a couple of more guests. So that'll be really cool. Meanwhile, while you were doing that, I was having my first week dailying the Lotus. Oh, that's right. How's it been going? There have been many questions about this. We've we will get to weather, many questions. So it's been nice. Uh, yeah, drive. we've had some decent weather. We had one day that was very hot, even up here in Park City. And guess what? The air conditioner, the, the lesson is this. The air conditioner is fine to keep you roughly 15 degrees cooler than the outside temperature. So when it's 100, it's not really <laughs> happy. If it's 110, which thankfully it doesn't get here, it's just miserable. It but, was hotter um, today. It, it got hot today. Yeah, yeah. Well, Salt I Lake's always hotter. I landed looked at the temperature and couldn't believe it. But, but I, I'm actually thinking um, there may be a recurring segment on the podcast going forward that I'm going to call... Lotus Lessons. Okay. Because I think there are going to be many. Okay. I think... Lotus Lessons for you or for other drivers? All of the above. No, oh, no, no. I just, okay. I just think there's going to be things that are going to surprise me as an owner. Probably. Um, you know, because I've driven them a lot, but I've never owned one, and I've never commuted no. in one, and there's all those kind of things. It's a rare car, especially here, I'd say, in the yes. mountain town. I mean, yes. we've seen them around L.A. plenty. Sure, We've seen sure. a bunch of them. But there. they're still not common. They're still not common, generally speaking, no. But, you know, here, you're kind of one of one. But also, they are a small, coach-built, almost hand-built British sports car. Yes, yes. Which means there are lessons. Okay. And, and before I tell the story, I have to give a little bit of history from my own family. All right. You've heard about Lucas Electrics, right? Oh, yes. Okay. Yes, yes. The so famous electrics that the, were in Jaguars. The, the terrible electrics that were in old British in cars, day, Jaguars especially. My yeah. dad... The more, most I've ever heard my father cuss, and he doesn't cuss. He's essentially Ned Flanders. The most I've ever heard him cuss, I think, has all had to do with Lucas Electrics. I think the one of the taglines— sure he wasn't alone either. —that people made up was uh, Lucas Electrics get home before dark. I mean, that was one of them. You know, but there was also the, the acronym—I'm going to get it wrong, but the acronym was something like uh, Loose Unfinished Connections and Soldering. You know, these kind of things. I mean, the Lucas Electrics were terrible. Skewering. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and one of the things that always boggled my father when he had an old E-type— is puddles. Now, I know that sounds crazy, but follow me. If you ever look at an E-type, you ever open the hood, it's got kind of a bathtub where the engine sits. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. 
if you went over puddles, the wheels would pick up water and kick them up and hit either the <laughs> the battery stuck on right one side, there, yeah, right on there front, behind one of the one of the, or or hit the distributor cap and essentially kill your car. Awesome. On the side of the road. Okay. Good design. And he used to boggle about that because he's like, it's England. You'd think you'd solve that. <laughs> I had this experience today in my 2006 Lotus Elise. You drove through a puddle and your car died? No. No, no, no. Earlier this week, I drove through a big mud puddle, which I was actually fine with. It got mud sprayed on the side of the car. I was kind of proud of that, actually. Okay. But right. tonight, I was going to a car show. Yeah. And I thought I should get the car cleaned. But I was headed down to Salt Lake to do some work in Salt Lake. Okay. I had some editorial work all day today. Okay. So, I couldn't, like, pull the car out in the driveway and hand wash it. I had to take it through somewhere quick. I wasn't going to take it through the places with the brushes. I'm, no, I, no, 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 no. I'm almost speechless over here. No, no, no. I wasn't going to do, do that, that because the, I can just tell that, that the brushes versus this car would be a terrible, terrible idea. So I figured, yeah. you know what I'll do? Yeah. I'll go through one of those drive through spray things. That's straightforward. Okay. Nothing touches the car. <laughs> I have an idea where this is going, but yeah. keep going. I did have the wherewithal before I pulled it in to pull the cleaning rags I was going to use to dry it off and pull them into the car because I thought, you know, this has got a removable wipe top. wipe the water spots, that exactly. kind of thing. But I figured it's got a removable top. There's bound to be like the little corner is going to drip something. It's just going to happen, okay? <laughs> um, yeah. Every time the high-pressure water thing passed one of the windows – a spray of water came in at the seam that I am, that I am holding off with one of these rags. And by the time I was done with this little five-minute session, I mean, literally, as the thing would rotate around the car, it was go by, you're, it's, it's absurd. That is really funny. And halfway through this five minutes of just shielding myself from water with a towel and soaking it up, I had this thought. You sat there and endured this? I had this thought. England. I lived in England. It <laughs> rains in England. This is not like God turns on the misters and wow, isn't that refreshing. It really <laughs> rains. How is this car not able to handle rain coming in at a velocity, water coming in at a velocity? That's really funny. So I, I, I like this. I realized firsthand today that I will never be able to do anything but hand wash this car. And to make matters worse, insult to injury, two other things. Uh-oh. I pulled out of the car wash to find that the mud splatter was untouched. Because it had caked on there and dried. It was untouched. Baked. I may have had water shooting in the seams of the roof, <laughs> but the mud splatter was fine. So that maintained. So that I used, so the the car drenched, effective. I used the drenched rag from inside the car <laughs> of course to scrub off the mud splatter. Right. So maybe that was part of the plan, but that worked wonderfully. And then later... In a classic Lucas Electrics moments, which Lucas had nothing to do with these cars, but I kept thinking about my dad's bad experience. Yeah. Because after I parked at this place in Salt Lake where I was editing for the day, the guy that runs the place walked in and he went, hey, hey, Todd, your car sounds like a fax machine out there. And I went, what? I walked out and it was chirping. Like, chirp, 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 I was like, okay. So it's like, okay, the alarm was on. I'm going to turn the alarm off. And it stopped. Okay, what's that about? I'm just thinking about the fact that the whole car got drenched. I mean, my bag in the trunk drenched. Um, Seriously? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I learned this the very hard way. Uh, so anyway, so, so then I turned the alarm off. I'm laughing near you. Ten, no, you're laughing at me, and it's, it's appropriate. Well, maybe, yeah. Ten minutes right. later, I come back out to check, and the car is doing what I can only describe as, you know, you know the you-left-your-door-open chime on most cars, the e Sure, sure. That's what it's doing. Constantly. Are the doors closed? The, essentially, the alarm just decided to freak out. And go, and go e, and it just kept doing it. So I thought, you know what? All right, all right, all right. I'm going to turn the car on. I'm going to take it for a drive. I'm going to come back. It did it the whole drive. It kept doing it after I parked it. It did it for an hour. Oh my gosh! 
until essentially the car got in the sunshine enough that it dried out and the alarm stopped going. Oh my gosh. And I just kept thinking Lucas Electrics the whole time. 2006 car. My dad had an early 60s E-Type. And it's not on the Apparently we have not. Lotus did not. No, Lucas did not do the electrics. But I'm just thinking. They were far. Your early 1960s E-Type has electrical problems because of water because it was built in England. Okay. Your 2006 Lotus, you guys should have solved rain by now. (laughs) So this was my Lotus lesson for the week. Um, Hand built. And it will be electrics. will be hand washed with no yeah. power. There, I can't even use a hose. I don't think it's going to have to be like sponges and and, and I don't know. It's I good, have to it's give all my bad. car a sponge bath. Seriously, is that the T-shirt you're going maybe? After? I, I mean, except I don't want to advertise that. But yeah, <laughs> so this is my Lotus lesson for the week. There it is. I'm an idiot I and car washes. Really amused by this, <laughs> as you should be. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I could just see the jet of water coming in the windows, like the, the horizontal jet was, right at eye level. It was, that's, that's it was simultaneously infuriating and, and hysterical with laughter. But could you drive forward? I mean, could you gotten out of there? Were you trapped? Were there doors on each I end suppose of the I could have. I, mean, I suppose I could have, but failed. I'm halfway done. It's like, you know, they're rinsing off soapy water, and I haven't got the... The, the, the jet comes by. Blow-off and... cycle yet. You know what I mean? It's just like, <laughs> oh, I just... I just knew mm. I had to endure it, and I had a towel, and that t- I could have wrung the towel out when I was done. You don't suppose that Lotus ever intended these to be daily drivers, do you? I'm sorry, but did they since, intend since these the to be 1970s like track cars, and 80s? You know, since the 19 cars, well, but these cars, cars have been raced in the rain. Well, true. My my, my point well, is, then they were open since, top. And since the 70s and 80s, it has been. It hasn't been since then. It's been acceptable to make a car that is only okay for perfect, sunny, gorgeous days when you can have the top down. That's unacceptable since the 90s. Especially from England. True. I mean, and, and yes, in England, where they happen to sell, I think, per capita more convertibles than any other nation, which continues to make me laugh, they get serious rain. Yeah, yeah. If your car leaks in serious rain, that seems to be point one. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I understand simplify and add lightness, but you know what? Simplify and add a roof. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm really enjoying this uh, more than I should. <laughs> but it's because it's absurd. That's why you're enjoying it. That's why I didn't tell you before we recorded the podcast because I was like, there's no point in prefacing this. I just I'm need to glad. tell you the story of today's Lotus lesson. And there it is. And you're right. There may be many more unexpected I, lessons. I fear there will be. I hope there are none worse than this, honestly. I hope the car is reliable. I hope it's a good long-termer. All those yeah. things, I really don't. Well, I don't. I don't relish any like the car breaks down any of that. I, I, don't, I don't want it either and I nothing and nothing that. makes you dislike a car more than it doesn't run yeah oh yeah. and you know the, one of the things about this is i want it to be a daily i want to be able yeah, to have those discussion yeah. points and and to its credit this is an absurd sentence but follow me once it dried out <laughs> it was perfect on the way home in fact it was perfect on the way home to the point that this evening i had somewhere i had to be on time and so I just took the freeway. I didn't take fun back roads. I took the freeway. I commuted like every other person on the sure. planet. And I was on the phone for part of it. Okay. So it was okay. a standard, this is not a You're fun commuting. drive commute. Right. Right. And the car was perfect. It, it, it was able, believe it or not, to kind of fade into the background of the process like you would in a normal car. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of T-shirts, something around. Oh. It's got to be dry. The car has to be dry. Exactly. To have fun. It's, it's your Lotus driving checklist. It doesn't want to work it's yeah. dry. Exactly. Do not drive in rain. Yeah. You know. I'm going to... I'm going to noodle this one for a while. It's all bad, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
I want to pound the table in laughter. This is good. <laughs> we have car debates tonight, and we actually have many, many, many questions as well. We do. We've got a bunch, guys. Thank you for joining us once again. We've got uh, – oh, man. Uh, yeah, like you said, we've got Andrew out in Phoenix who's a huge fan. He's listened to the majority of our 10 days worth of podcasts that we have. <laughs> and what he means there is we've done the math. And if we were to just listen to all of our podcasts constantly like to this point, it's nearly 10 days, it's about 10 days Solid. worth of straight material, of of you and I talking amazing for better and for worse. There it is. Andrew, thank you so much. You've got an interesting story. We'd love to debate, debate that CUVs for Andrew. And then we've also got Adam in the UK. Who's also a longtime listener of the podcast. First time writing in from the UK. I'm glad you kind of touched on British cars because mm-hmm. um, Adam is listening. Yep. But this is for Adam's dad, as a matter of fact. He's had a lot of BMWs, and he's riding for his dad with a fairly fairly healthy budget. Yeah. And uh, then we'll get to some questions. But before we do, we've had a follow-up email that you yeah, pointed cool. out to me. I saw this earlier, and I've been meaning to get to it, and you reminded me of it, from Laura. Mm-hmm. Well, it's that thing we've talked about, and that is – We've talked about doing follow-ups, and we've been bad about building a whole follow-up show. So what we've decided to try to do is when we get these cool follow-up emails about, here's the car I bought, we're going to try to cover them kind of right away as one-offs. Right. And uh, Laura wrote in, and uh, she was actually from – this is before we were numbering our podcast. So March 31st of this year, 2017, we did a podcast for she and Michael. Uh, We identified her at the time as Michael's fiancé because we didn't have Laura's name. Well, Laura has written in to tell us her car buying story. (laughs) Yes, she has. She has surfaced. She said she wanted to write and give us an update on the search for her SUV. So that podcast is entitled SUV for Your Fiancé. Mm-hmm. If you want to go look for that. And it's just prior to the New York Auto Show, which is where she and Michael were. They had gone to the New York Auto Show, looked at all the options for SUVs. I'm bummed that you're not taking Kia seriously. And by the way, everybody, the new Soul Turbo is out. <laughs> Stop. Well, I but I cannot but wait hang for this on. car. There, there were There were three that we really pushed. We really said, yes. look at these three. They were going to look at like 15 or 20. They were going to pretty much, if you if you make a five-seat CUV, Michael and Laura were going to look at it at the auto show. But the right. three that you and right. I really pushed, we talked up the uh, the Mazda CX-5 because, of course, we really like that dynamically. Uh, we talked about how awesome the Volvo interiors are. And oh, you had actually yeah. recommended the oh, XC60 Tour. And the Mercedes uh, GLE as well was the other one that came up, which was the, the absolute bleeding edge of their budget. But mm-hmm. those are the three that we most recommended, so they took a close look at those. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm Laura, I'm glad you noticed the Volvo. I'm glad it did blow you away because I'm impressed with their design across the board, everything they're doing right now. I'm glad you took notice of it. And it's it's neither here nor there. You've got to really get something that you're happy with. But I'm glad we could set you on the road to getting something you love. And you have, mm-hmm. which is great. So everyone, Laura and Michael have bought a GLC 300, 2018 GLC 300 mm-hmm. Mercedes. In white, black interior. The seats have the white quilted leather inserts. She's beautiful. The problem car. is that Laura started checking boxes. This is the problem. She went, I really like Options that. Boxes. And then she went, I'd like to have that. I'd like to have that too. I'd like uh-huh. to have that. Wow, that's a price tag. That's always the problem, isn't it? My favorite part about this email, though, Laura, is uh, the PS after you signed off here. She says, since listening to the original podcast and enjoying it so much, she's become such a fan of us. That occasionally she allows Michael to change the TV from Real Housewives of wherever, <laughs> say yes to the dress, and they watch our show together. And apparently this is a big deal in their house. So well, 
Thank you, Laura. We are none of those other shows. I can say that. So that is definitely a left turn (laughs) because I am fashion inept. We have very little, very little drama going on outside of, you know, things like the Lotus Lessons. So I appreciate that that, uh, you're joining us. That's really awesome. And I'm thrilled that you found this Mercedes, that we kind of got you headed in a direction that you found something that you love. Yeah, you sent photos and it's gorgeous. So congratulations on that. And and thank you for not only writing in originally, Michael, but for writing back into us, Laura, and saying, here's what I got, because we do love getting those emails. Yeah, Many of absolutely. you are doing that, and we really appreciate it. And, and what's fun is sometimes, and we should find one of these and cover it, but sometimes what happens is when people write in, hmm. and they end up kind of encouraging you, Paul, because they write in and they go, hey, guys, I'm so-and-so from this podcast, and here was my budget, and you recommended these things, mm-hmm. and I promptly spent twice that much and got this. Yay! That happens spent- all the time, because this is unfortunately <laughs> what happens when you're shopping for cars. We spent your money. You're welcome. Well, sort of. But... I- Yeah, the ultimate thing is it comes back to where Todd and I started was friends and family coming away going, I love my car. I love driving it. I want to go drive it. All that kind of stuff. We love that. We just love hearing it. I mean, that's the biggest payoff for us anyway. And and it's kind of fun to have the podcast full circle. For sure. When you guys write back to us. We ask you to. And by no means, you don't have to. I mean, it's just fun to hear the updates, and it's mm-hmm. fun, you know, if you reference the podcast and, yeah. hey, if I'm, you know, this person from that podcast, and, you know, if, if we at least got you pointed down the direction with some cars and then you discovered something else, great. Absolutely. It yeah. doesn't matter if you take our recommendations or not. really doesn't. So speaking of recommendations, let's jump into Andrew's debate here. He's out in Phoenix. He's the guy that's listening. I hope you haven't listened to them for 10 days straight, because I think you might be dead. Sitting in a corner twitching somewhere, unfortunately, yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of cars that we've recommended, he and his girlfriend just bought a 2014 Mitsubishi Lancer Rally Art, which she loves. <laughs> I love that story. I really do. He points it out to her. She goes, that's pretty cool looking. Now they went out and drove it. They both love it. I think that's amazing. So cool. So, yeah, she loved the design, loved the performance. She's caught the disease by virtue of owning this car, so therefore... His work is done here. Mission <laughs> Scene. Mic drop and we're out. Let's go driving. Exactly. But now he's got a car. He wants a car for himself. So he's writing back into us and has included bullet points about what he wants. Andrew, there's a little bit of a clarification that we, we need, but we're just going to kind of go with it in, in here from the story here. But you've also, man, you've offered up your car history, which is yeah. kind of all over the map. It is, isn't it? Yeah. But the biggest, the bottom line here is that you're an Audi and Volkswagen guy. You for sure. V- for sure, yeah. So that's cool. And he's also looking for kind of his all-purpose, all-around vehicle. And so they're thinking about, okay, it sounds like the rally art is the kind of do-it-all, but also just really fun do-it-all. This mm-hmm. is much more of a, this, this vehicle needs to tow. Uh, it right. needs to handle commute duty and sometimes heavy traffic, so like stop and go, nice place to be duty, mm-hmm. and to be able to tow. So very quickly, we're into CUV, SUV world. Right, exactly, exactly. So, uh, yeah, the, the all-around road trips, as you said, camping. He doesn't want to be concerned about driving on dirt, washboarded, mm-hmm. unpaved roads. I like that you said that Arizona does have good driving roads. We need to go explore some of those driving roads in the canyons yeah, we, up there. Yeah, we, we did some like for the Model X area. piece. We got up into, into one of the lakes there outside of uh, Scottsdale, which is really cool. But yeah. there's, there's more out there. The problem I have with Arizona is um, I, I now, thanks to the Lotus, I am even more frightened of going anywhere that is well into triple digits of heat. I just <laughs> Well, we wouldn't be you know, taking that car we wouldn't be taking. I know, but I'm just we'll now I'm a little gun shy. And... Go into like PTSD or something. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, so what else? Yes, towing capacity is part of the recipe here. Mm-hmm. They're getting a travel trailer. They're planning to purchase this, and they don't want a truck, okay? Throwing this in is uh, a daily commute, 11 miles each way, but yep. he's on heavy traffic. So for sure. 40 minutes for 11 miles. Yeah, it's like yeah you're sitting. Yeah. Yeah. Probably not on a lease, I no, would say. I would say that's probably out. I mean, want it, the, the tow capacity is uh, just a little less than you'd want, and the air conditioning, let's it? be honest, is terrible yeah, for that situation. Maybe a few pounds less than you want. You know, I saw our friend, our friend Chad. Oh, yes. The local, the local Summit yes. County Sheriff. I saw him today. He, I was filling my car with gas, and he pulls in beside me, and he leans out of his window, and he goes, I promise I'm not stalking you. Because it's <laughs> so the second funny. time he's I seen know. me since I've driven that car. But oh, I no. said to him, I said, look, the thing is kind of a rolling lighthouse. I mean, it's, it, it's the surface of the sun yellow. So it's, it it's not hard to see. So we started talking about it. And he said, how is it? And I said, honestly, it hates being stopped. Because yeah. that's the truth. I, I cannot imagine commuting daily in this car if in a stop-and-go world. You, oh, would, you would grow to hate it. Oh, yeah. Luckily, I don't have to do that. But just sitting, I mean, it, it become and your track car. Become yeah. the thing that sits in the corner yeah. for Sundays. Sitting and... still and creeping is not fun. So that's not where we're going to be here. All right. What else? Uh, it's got to be rear-wheel drive or all-wheel drive for Andrew. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Apparently, you've had enough front-wheel drive cars, which is cool. And then he likes wrenching on vehicles himself, modifying them, that kind of thing. And uh, part of the equation here is that he's been looking at Volkswagen Touregs. Mm-hmm. Audi Q7s, Cayennes, BMW X5, sort of all the usual suspects for the large SUVs. But he leans German for sure. Right, clearly. Here's clearly. where this gets a little bit confusing, I think. Because he said he would really like to have this all-around vehicle that has to tow and that kind of stuff. And you're in the right category. I mean, everything you've listed, the Touareg, the Q7, the Cayenne, the uh, the X5, these are all they are fine for what you need. You're a German car guy. I get all that. But you said your upper limit of budget is about eighteen grand. As you've Mm -hmm. talked about this car. And then about this point in the email, you throw in a twist of, well, you know, I could just get two cars. I could get the all-arounder and I could get a fun car. So at that point, this is where this gets confusing because I'm going to stay stay under 18 grand for your tow vehicle, but not if you add a second car. That's Kind of, I think you've got to add another ten grand to the equation for a second car. I was going to say with eighteen, I mean, you can do two cars with eighteen. You but can not for the categories that you're not. Looking. Not the stuff he's do- going for. I need. Right. Let, let's break that down for a second. For eighteen grand, I'd like to spend, let's say, eight on a fun car, and then ten on a reliable German <laughs> SUV that's a nice place to be. That's going to tow thing. Sorry, no, I'm sorry, yeah. but but it's just you're not, not going to wind. Kind of money. You're not going to wind up with something you like. You know what you're going to do? You're going to buy that 2003. Why is this so cheap? Eight thousand dollar Porsche Cayenne that is going to promptly cost you eight thousand dollars to keep it running because yeah, the exactly. first year or so of those cars are crazy cheap and they're money pits. Yeah, I was th- thinking the same thing with that 03 Audi Allroad that was based on the A6. Yeah. Super cool. The wheels looked incredibly difficult to clean. Like they actually put effort into I love how you think that way. Thinking, let's see, what's the worst wheel to clean that will collect the most The new Audi Brillo pad wheel. It's going to be perfect. Seriously. Best of luck getting into all the crevices. So that brought me to, of course, the All Road and the All Track Mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. start there. But brand new VW All Tracks are not 18 grand. Sure. You can't even get into that, you can't even touch that. And I found a few Audi A4 all-roads for you, Andrew, but they've all got 150,000 miles or 111,000 miles, and they're like 16 grand. Ooh, okay. Now, I know you said you like to work on your own vehicles, and you're in love with the brand, so if you're going for that, they are newer. They're 14, 2015, somewhere in there. 
higher miles, but that might not be a problem. I mean, I'm Fair. not scared off by pretty new cars with higher miles because that means they've just been commuted in. They've just been probably yeah. Yeah, you yeah. Know, not track. Well, in Arizona, Arizona is a great place to buy vehicles. Hanging out. Oh, yes. Because yes. they're not going to rust, and they typically have had pretty good lives. So they're just yeah. hanging out on the freeway. So for that kind of miles, I'm not too worried about you know a 2015, 2016 with a hundred thousand miles. Sure, fine. Just sure, change oil. And Are you going. finding them that cheap with that kind of mileage? And that, yeah, they're, that recent too. Yeah, they're pretty okay. recent. I found three right. of them as oh, a matter cool. of fact good. All right. that were in that category. But then again, I think all right, is that. You know, are, are you comfortable with that kind of mileage? Sure, sure. So I backed off of that. Of course, I've got to include the Volvo XC60, but you've got mm-hmm. to go back a little ways, 2011, 2012, somewhere in there to get yeah, the 18 yeah. price cap. Of course, we've got to say the Mazda CX-5. That's got to be in there. Probably, yeah. Towing capacity, I looked it up, is 2,000 pounds on the so CX-5. It depends on the trailer you get so chased. very yeah. much depends on the trailer you guys yeah. are going to buy. And then I'm lastly here, I'm ending on a BMW Sport Wagon. Hmm. 2010 or 2011. Okay. You can get them for 15, 16 with, say, 48,000 miles. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Great cars. Some of the people writing, you know, why are you selling, you know, saying, this is the best car I've ever had, but my company's giving me a car. Sure, sure, Those sure. kinds of things. And I'm seeing a lot of one owners on those three series wagons from that era, which means very good things. People mm-hmm. have loved them and just hung on to them. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the, the mileage is pretty decent. You'd have to go back a ways, but... Uh, I think those wagons could tow a small trailer, have everything you okay. need. It's still okay. a fun BMW. And uh, I, I was thinking wagon from the very beginning, sure. honestly. Okay. Now, it's maybe a little bit more, you know, less friendly to the off-road thing. But yeah. how often are you going to be doing that? It's a good question. I mean, I, I think I, I'm glad you went down the wagon route because I stayed much more uh, much more SUV. But in these SUVs, I, I can't explain to you necessarily the why. But if you go older and you're chasing Touareg, Q7, and Cayenne, you go, okay, that's all the same chassis. Mm -hmm. However, out of those three, my understanding is the Cayenne is the most reliable of those three. Everybody I knew that had an early Touareg that would now be in the mid-teens got rid of them as fast as they could because they were money pits. (laughs) Now, again, avoid the 03 to 06 Cayenne anyway. Because it yeah. is much more problematic. Yeah. But, and then they didn't make them in 07. So the refresh, like I have, is 08. Right. So tw- uh, 2008 to 2010 is that back half of Gen 1. So that's the Gen 1.2. And, uh, and those I would highly recommend. And for 18, 20, you could get a Cayenne. You're going to get a base one like we got. You're still going to have enough towing for what you're talking about. Q7 maybe. Toreg, I would say no. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. X5 is a good alt here. I do like the X5. Uh, be careful as you shop. Dig into the forums about what are the particular problems with the engine choice you're looking at. Because some <laughs> of those X5s, like this engine has this quirk, and that engine has yeah, that quirk. And yeah. it's talking about engine sizes here. I mean, I knew guys that had the, the big V8 in that that ran it forever and loved it. Sure. So you sure. can get one, but just I, I I don't have an answer. So that's what I'm literally telling you. Look at the models you're interested in, and then chase that engine through the BMW forms to find out what is its proclivities, if you will. Sure. So that would I would also say that I also think you should be looking at older XC90s. Okay, you're thinking now the ones I, with the Yamaha engine. In well, them? you have to avoid. There, there's there's a couple engine choices there, and you may note if you look at early XC90s, which still have a decent interior. That's the thing I was thinking, thinking yeah, about. Yeah, they do. Keeping something cheap 
that will be pretty reliable and has a nice interior. As you get you know into older cars, a lot of right. the interiors drop. And that's the problem and the ones with a lot that of the, hold up to abuse and all yeah, that kind of stuff. It's still look a nice. lot of the American choices. I mean, you could get you know Tahoes and and Yukons and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that kind of stuff for this money. But I'm thinking you're not going to like the interior enough for the commute part. I think that's the sure. hard part. They would be great at everything else, and that you could find them all day long affordable, but I'm worried about that interior. That made me think Volvo XC90. Now, you may notice good. there's a – I think it, I'm going to get it a little wrong. I think a 3.6-liter V6 that was the middle engine of those cars. They had a tiny little four-cylinder. They had a big V8, but the middle one was a V6. You'll note the V6s are very cheap. That should give you a warning. That's because <laughs> that V6 was prone to the most problems. So avoid that right. early V6. But uh, look at the XC90s because people I knew that had those early ones really liked them. Uh, and you could probably get a lot of car for your money there, and it could tow and do all that kind of stuff. So I think that has to be on there as well. But I want to talk about the twist here too. Okay. You're talking the uh, the fun car the twist? Fun car. Because, okay, we've covered the, the, the kind of do-it-all vehicle that will hopefully commute, and hopefully something there is, is helpful to you, Andrew. But, um, okay, this fun car, there's not really a budget listed for it. No, and I'm still unclear. Is the 18 include, we've got to scrape two cars out of that 18, or is I 18 for I don't think we legitimately can. I don't think you legitimately can yeah, pull off I'm what he wants convinced. for his do-it-all. And especially considering he's, it's that commute part of the equation that throws it off. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that I need to sit here and enjoy sitting here still while it does all the other things. It's got to be a little nicer, and that's hard. So right, I'm going to right. assume that he's looking at ridiculously cheap fun cars here. So under ten grand. Okay. okay. All right. But the things he lists that he's thought about for a fun vehicle is an Audi A4, an A6, a Passat, or an old vintage VW. How about <laughs> a 944 or a 914? And I'm just thinking, branch out. <laughs> you know, and I have and From I have some early, ideas earlier, and I have some ideas German for cars. a genuine fun car because the thing I'm concerned about for you, Andrew, is if you're going to get a, it's the difference between the term fun car and project car. <laughs> These are not the same. Right. You could have a project car that becomes yes. your fun car, but if you buy some old classic thing, look at the deal I got. I have to fix a few things. Uh oh. Yeah. Because it will probably, especially since it's not your primary car where you have to get it fixed this weekend, it will probably be that thing that sits in the garage under half a car cover collecting dust because, oh, I really have to do the plugs in that or whatever it is, and it never really becomes your fun car. I want to get you into something that you can buy it for cheap. It'll probably need something, but it'll also just run and be genuinely fun, which quickly takes me away from all of your choices into others. Okay. All right. What are you thinking? How about? Maybe an early Boxster, an early Boxster base engine. Those could be about 10 to 12, somewhere in there. And look, they may need stuff. They're going to be higher mileage, but it's going to be fun. And if you're doing the maintenance on them, they're going to run. True. So there's that. Yeah. Uh, Maybe, maybe a Z3 or Z4 convertible. The Z3s especially are cheap now. That's interesting. And it's just a little fun car. Just yeah. little because you're not going back to the nine forty fours and nine fourteens. Those are also classic cars at this point. They are. The, yeah. the Z three, Z four, they're older, but they're not classics. It still feels modern. So they it should run. It's probably gonna need a little few things, but it's gonna get them cheap and it's gonna mostly just run. And then of course I have to say it, Miata is in here. Miata's in there. And if you want to go really cheap and really fun, my friend, buy yourself a Toyota MR two spider. They're like six, seven grand. They're they're a Toyota mid-engined. Buy Those it, will run, yeah. Drive it, love it, enjoy it. Put it in the garage at the end of the weekend. Pull out whatever your SUV is and go commute. Done. Sure, sure. No, I like that. 
That's interesting. I, I got thinking about, uh, yeah, just, you know, late 80s through, you know, late 90s cars, maybe early 2000s cars. You remember the 91 Honda CRX? Mm-hmm. I just liked that car. Yeah. I just liked it for some reason. Mm-hmm. It just... It just does so much. And, uh, well, but that's... I mean, cuting, Honda, it was fun to drive. Honda was at the top of their game in the 90s. Yeah. And if you think about it, that is the NSX, and it's the Prelude, and it's the yes. S2000. Yes, it's, it's that the CRX. Era. They're all in that decade. And Honda they were was absolutely killing it yeah. in that whole decade. Everything they were making, even if it wasn't an enthusiast car... You know what? I hate to say it, but it's true. In the 90s, Honda is where Mazda is now. Okay. Where kind of everything they made had a little bit of an enthusiast. This is surprisingly Ford fun to drive. Is like bent. That. We keep talking about Ford in every category. Well, Ford has something every category, but I wouldn't say that everything Ford makes has an in- inherent fun to drive quality. Um, I think some of them do. I think I wouldn't Honda, say the Fusion Sport necessarily Honda kind of did it across the board in the '90s. If you got in a Honda from the '90s, it just especially if you got their six-speed or, oh, yeah. or their stick shift oh, of any yeah. kind, it was just a genuinely fun car to drive. Mazda's doing that now. Kind of whatever car, whatever category, tends to be the more fun to drive one in that category. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, Mazda could be that today. I This whole discussion has made me want somebody to Photoshop a Kia Soul Turbo All-Road with the fender flares from the A4 All-Road. <laughs> Okay. Maybe a little bit lowered. Maybe it's on air suspension, so you can okay. raise it up for the. So it's you know, called. Sedona. Is it called the Soul Road? The Soul Road. Oh, Here man. we go. <laughs> and it could it could go low. It could be raised up on its air suspension. Maybe two hundred fifty horsepower somewhere in there. Uh, Light bar. No. Sports car. It's a CUV. It's a the hatchback. Soul Road. Oh. That's it. I want that car. The Kia Soul Road. Oh, no. Somebody's got to Photoshop that and send it in. You know it's going to happen. I hope so. Well, guys, uh, thank you so much. We'll be right back. Let me tell you about Pete, who loved hockey and always wanted to play in the NHL. Pete played since he was three and begged his mom to let him stay on the ice. Why, some nights he even slept in his hockey skates. Pete practiced and practiced until one day when he was 47. Pete realized he just wasn't that good. So he threw his skates in the trash. But then he heard how Geico, proud partner of the NHL, could save him money on car insurance. So he switched and saved a bunch. So it all worked out. So we're back with another car debate here. This is Adam writing to us from the UK. And I like this one because it's another one of those I'm not writing for me discussions. Yeah, you those know? are always fun. Adam's writing. He's listened to the podcast for a long time. Uh, so hello to Adam's father. Why? Because as of this point, his father's now listening. Because his dad has owned two cars over the course of Adam's entire lifetime. Crazy. More than 20 years old, Adam is, and his father's owned two cars. Okay. One has been a Calypso Red E39 BMW 520i, okay. cool car, yeah. and a Mystic Blue E60 BMW 520d. <laughs> Just going from generation to generation. Not a lot of we? branching out going on here. <laughs> and he's made them. He clearly, he's proven that they're reliable, which I'm glad for you. But that is not a whole lot of cars in a whole lot of time. Yeah, that's that's very true. I mean, I always enjoy the stories about your dad and Caprices. I mean, oh, yes. he oh, you're hung right. on to Caprices, baby. No, no. when Caprices were the cop cars, <laughs> we went through four at oh, least. Oh, you would family. cycle through those, right? Well, yeah, I mean, we, but, but he just kept finding them. He kept finding them for crazy cheap. Somebody put no miles on He's like, it's a Caprice. I have to get another one. It's like, really? Oh, man, I wish he kept that Jag. Oh. You, well, you're telling me. Ugh. 
hurts me constantly. But anyway, yeah. All right. Hi, Adam's dad. Thank you for writing in via Adam. And uh, hopefully this is helpful because, yes, you're a BMW enthusiast. You've got a severe disease just like Adam. Adam, I'm kind of glad that you grew up around these cars because it's proven to you, yes, that BMWs are reliable. Can be. However, you've got to put dollars into these cars Absolutely. to keep them running. Absolutely. They're thoroughbreds. Yeah. I love it when I see really high-mileage BMWs, and they're clean mm-hmm. and beautiful and mm-hmm. well taken care of, and that just says, this is what BMWs are supposed to do. Sure. This is it. But it's a, but it's a play, pay-to-play car, for sure. Very I mean, it's, much it's not, so. the, the comment that I make now and then about like Honda Accords and the Chevy Caprice is an example. Cars <laughs> that run in spite of you and not because of you. Right. Oh, right. did I not do the oil for the last 60,000 miles? Oops. That doesn't <laughs> happen with German cars. It doesn't happen with BMWs at all. They can run for a very long time, but guess what they need now? And that's <laughs> exactly. fine. That's fine. But that's the thing is that Adam's dad is wanting to move on, and Adam is trying very hard, and we encourage you to have his dad get something other than a BMW. Mm-hmm. But we've got a pretty good budget to work with. He's got about 30,000 uh, pounds, 30,000 British pounds to work with. That's close so that's to 40 good. grand US, right? Yes, but the other thing to think about is, I don't know if you've noticed this, but we've talked about it before, used cars in the UK plummet. They do. So you can get a lot of car for your money yep. on the used market in the UK. But he did bring up that whatever car happens... It's probably going to be in the family for the next 10 years. So we're buying for the long haul here. Yeah, this was the twist for me because I think, you know, you and I really love the used cars and going back yeah. five, yeah, yeah. eight years mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. even longer and finding that gem. But then that means the nav system might be kind of weird and clunky mm-hmm. and, you know, higher mileage, the maintenance comes into play. So if you're, you know, if we do that and then add 10 years onto that, then it's going to be a classic. True, true. So I, I'm I'm mixed on this equation here. I really want to go newer, but I wanna I wanna do his budget right. I wanna yeah. you know Well what this this is interesting because what this needs what here. this needs to do is he's looking for something. Here here's the listing. He prefers German. Obviously he prefers BMW, but he doesn't really <laughs> want to stray from German. Yeah, think. So he's he's looking for something. This is his list. So hello, Dad. Something stylish, reasonably practical. Comfortable enough for long distances across Europe. I like that part. Okay. But here's what I also keep thinking. You have adult kids. So it's not like car seat, run to soccer. That's gone. That's, yes. That doesn't matter. So right. reasonably practical could be two plus two now. It could. It and could. the things he's yeah. looking at, he's looking at already kind of eyeing the BMW 4 Series Grand Coupe, the Mercedes CLS, and the Lexus IS. Now, I don't dislike any of those, except I don't want you to get another BMW. Uh, but anyway, mm-hmm. I don't know who said that. But uh, but mm-hmm. I, I, I actually have a sniper shot on this. Oh, do you? I think I can get it done with one car. Interesting. I've got two, but I'm going to start out by saying, yes, we want you to taste something other than BMW. Not not that they're bad for any reason. The only point is to just go enjoy something else. True, true. But if it's going to be a long-term car and mm-hmm. he's bringing his 10-year expectation of BMW ownership mm-hmm. to the new car, it's got to be reliable. I mean, clearly you're putting maintenance money into it as we've Absolutely. identified. Yeah. Yeah. But for me, that means no Alphas and no Maseratis. <laughs> okay. Sure. Sure, I see that. My yeah. Maserati story here is um guy I know in... Uh, uh, sales manager. He's out in Frankfurt. Okay, yeah. And he bought the new Maserati. And the Ghibli or, or the, the... the Ghibli, correct. Okay. 
Can, can, can we tell the Quattroporte joke while we're here? Yes, we can. The Italians are the only ones that can get away with calling a car the four-door. <laughs> can you just imagine new from Chevrolet, the four-door? We would all laugh until we just fell over because we couldn't believe that the marketing department had fallen so far down to just be like, ah, forget it. Let's just call it a four-door. It's what it is. And yet the Italians come along with the Maserati Quattroporte, and we all go, Ooh, that's sexy. <laughs> that's a language right there, my friend. Especially if you say it with the influence and say I it know, from the heart. I know, but it still, it's the four-door. Oh, so good. Anyway, go on. All right. Well, so now they've got the Ghibli. Mm-hmm. And so this guy that I know, he bought the brand new, the hottest Ghibli. He threw all his money at the Ghibli. Was hanging out on the Autobahn and decided to street race a big Mercedes. I think it was an E or an S-Class. These Can't pieces remember. are not coming together well. He was neck and neck. They were doing great. He was having a blast. He blew his engine. Oh. He blew his engine on the Ghibli with nearly no miles on it. Fortunately, I think the engine was replaced under warranty. I think that's what you happened. I hope so. But he wasn't about to tell them that he was, you know... They were dicing up he was Autobahn caning it on the Autobahn, sure. On yeah. de-restricted. I mean, they were getting after it. It yeah. was late at night, and they were... I mean, just imagine that scenario. Yeah. Big black Mercedes, mm-hmm. and you're in your brand new Maserati. Of course you're going to put your foot down. Yeah, but but you know what? Speaking of the warranty part of this, honestly, because I want you to finish the story, but this just uh, did just dawn on me. If you have a warranty on a car in Germany, mm-hmm. you have no leg to stand on if the person says, I blew my engine on the Autobahn. It's de-restricted Autobahn. It's de-restricted. It should be... It's, you should be able to max yeah, it out at the car's claimed top speed. Absolutely you should. So that's why I believe the engine was replaced no problem, yeah. because he wasn't saying, you know, we were after it, you know, we were playing tag on the Autobahn, which is not something we recommend, by the way. But it, but it also doesn't matter. But if it happened. Was, if he was doing it floorboarded, you could argue in the U.S. if you were a dealer, sure. I'm sorry, we can tell, we downloaded the ECU, we can tell you were doing 150, blew mm-hmm. your engine, that's not what we're supposed to do. In Germany, it's got to be like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the story here is not that I'm doubting Italian craftsmanship. <laughs> okay. I know they can build amazing, sure. beautiful, finely sure. crafted machines. But Maserati still isn't where we all want them to be. Yeah. And so when we're looking at new cars, I will still say, do not buy the Maserati. Do mm. not buy a used Maserati. <laughs> that is the key point. Still. That is the key point. Yes. And I just, I'm still not convinced. And hearing stories like this just add fuel to that fire for me. Well, but, you know, there's been plenty of stories about those old Quattroportes because you can you can buy one for, like, the cost of your average lunch sandwich. It sounds like a Ferrari. You know? Exactly. Brake jobs are 2500 bucks. And, Have and fun with that. they are very unreliable. Yeah. That's one of the reasons. You can tell by the used prices. When something drops to, I can't believe it's that cheap money, it's probably <laughs> because, I mean, look, cheap phaetons. It's probably <laughs> because when you need to get something done, it's uh-huh. crippling and it's going to happen often. And that's what I've heard about the Quattroportes. I'm sad to say it, but true. <laughs> Funny you bring up the Phaeton. <clears throat> Speaking of yes. Phaetons, uh-huh. as you know, they're built out in Dresden on the same assembly line as the Bentleys. Yes. I went to the Phaeton's brother from Audi. Oh, okay. The S8. Audi sure. S8. Sure. I've been in love with S8s since they came out in 01. Aluminum body, V8. Just, I love the 01 to 03 S8s. But then I love the later versions, too. And I'm not saying brand new. I'm saying, could you find the newest, latest Audi S8 
Okay. For your dollars. Adam's dad. Hmm. I mean, talk about an Autobahn just cruiser. I, yeah. I'm in love with this idea about the classic sedan, lot of power, high speed, reliable, just great place to be. That is good. But, you know, jumping off of that, notice the cars he's had, though. The 520, the I, and the D. He hasn't had the big boy BMWs. No, that's true. So it says to me, you could. I like this idea from you. I, you could almost go A8. You could just do A8. The S8 is so special. Though. It is, but I'm saying oh. you could probably get a newer, more car for your money going going A8 probably and probably still could. have plenty of power. I agree with you. The S8 is the the awesome one, but the A8 is nothing to complain about. No, either. it's nothing to sneeze at either. And then I'm taking a turn here, going Scandinavian mm. with the car that I keep just – I recommend as <laughs> much as possible. The problem with this is it doesn't really fit the budget. Because it's the Volvo S90. <laughs> Sorry, Adam's dad. But you've got to at least take a look at this. And the reason I this is on my list, and this is the only two that I'm recommending, the S90 is going to be good for 10 years in terms of tech. I hear you. Because okay. you're talking right. about All right. we're now in an era where, you know, those, those E39 and E60 BMWs, they didn't have nav screens. Sure. Well, sure. maybe they did. No. But, but it dates quickly. Uh, I see where you're going. Yeah. Okay, maybe they did, but they were clunky-looking graphics and... Not that great, and it, but it wasn't. It wasn't a signature part of the interior either. That's Correct. the other problem. Correct. Yeah. It, it just it that drives interior design now. We've it all does. seen pictures of the Tesla Model Three. Yeah, this drives and dominates design now, uh-huh. which is uh-huh. amazing. But that's how things have gone. And so I think, all right, what is going to what's something you can buy now, and in ten years, it's still going to be relevant, interesting, beautiful, finely crafted, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and worth spending more money on. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's the S90. I feel I like, like it's this. built for the 10-year mark from now. I see that. I of, see that. Of okay. any car. Just all of these things. Seats, quality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On and on and on. And doing these things. Comfortable, stylish. You're not in a German car. You're in something different. Yeah, okay. It's interesting to me. I like both of those a lot. I, anyway. I really do. And and I, I am going to round it up to my sniper shot here. Okay. Because. I'm... I'm Bated breath over uh, all here. of the same things that were resonating with you were resonating with me, and that is okay. a car you buy right now and ten years from now, it still can be awesome. Okay, but we're talking about cross Europe trips. We're talking about yeah. a little bit practical. Yeah, and let's get you away from BMW into something that feels special. Sure, these are all the things that are rattling around in my head, and then I started looking. Okay, are these cars possible for thirty grand? Were we shopping on English? I was websites? shopping. In pounds. Okay. On British websites. Okay. And you know what I found options of? My sniper shot car. 997-911. Okay. Ten year, you, you, buy a, you buy a 2010 of it. that, and 10 years from now, who cares? Who cares? You're driving yeah. a 911. Yeah. If, I, if, I was wondering if it was a 911. A, Adam, Adam, if, I if, was wondering. for your dad, okay, if dad and mom want to travel across Europe in that 911, they've got the back seats for some storage, and they've got the frunk. They can mm-hmm. do the Autobahn. They could do the Swiss Alps. It's just a special car, and it's a nice interior with good leathers. <laughs> the only downside, the only downside there is, okay, the stereo and navigation might be out of date. If that really bothers you, then you do an aftermarket head unit. But I don't even know that's going to matter. Yeah, yeah, they might not even care. You know, so you you get the you get the automatic, you get the stick, whatever your preference is. Honestly, I just think this car is going to be so different than those five series, but yet. Clearly, you don't mind putting money into a German car to keep it running. 
That's oh, all yeah. this this nine eleven is going to require. Find True. yourself a nice independent True. mechanic, drive that for a decade, and I bet you you will love it. Nine nine seven nine eleven for your budget all day long. Sniper shotting them out. Delightful. I'm all about it. So what did you, you find? What kind of prices and mileage did you find? Well, I, I don't have it in front of me anymore, but I was looking it up. Uh, but you found some genuine contenders. Many, many. I mean, okay. if you want to go 996, you can go nuts. But I was specifically looking 997, and I found I, – I, and, I, and I put my budget cap – just because you know we talk about talking people down, I put my budget cap at like thirty two, thirty three thousand uh, pounds, mm-hmm. and found multiple. I mean, it was like pages to look through. Is it because they're right hand drive? I mean, wrong I, side drive. I, I think, I think that may was be that part of it because because that's the thing. You you've got cars that are right hand drive on an island surrounded by cars that are all left hand drive, and I think that has to be a serious problem for resale values. I've been wondering about that. I I mean, we see brand new luxury cars. Just plummet after two or yes. three years, and, and I know there's another there's another What's factor the here. There's another factor. It has to do with I think as things get a lot older, your taxes change, and I don't think because like here your registration gets cheaper and cheaper the older the car gets. Mm-hmm. But because of I'm, I, you in the UK are going to correct me, but because of uh, air regulations and all kinds of things about pollution prevention and all that, I think older cars start to penalize you at some point. Oh, in the UK, okay. and so, so they that want hurts you to them keep too. Current, keep but cars. with Adam's dad, he's had cars for a long time. That's clearly not an issue here, right? Right. So at that point, I'm like, get the 911, enjoy yourself. I'm and all about Adam it. will come by and be like, Dad, can I drive the 911? Which he's going to love this <laughs> podcast. Dad is already shaking his head and has never even met us. <laughs> all right. So send photos. Uh, we're looking forward to that. <laughs> when we're in the UK, we're calling Adam. <laughs> exactly. No, that's terrible. Exactly. Wow, jump into questions right now. There's a uh, a good one from Cajun Michael on Facebook here that I want to jump right into because I've got a sniper shot for it. Oh, great. Okay. He writes, what is the affordable reliability and gorgeous design? Or why is it that these two categories, affordable reliability and gorgeous design, seem to be mutually exclusive? Mm. When's the last time you saw something that looked like a Jag and had the reliability of an Accord or a Camry (laughs) reliability, but the sex appeal of an Aston Martin? I've got your car. Okay, good. Done. Okay. Checkbox. It's the new Kia Stinger. (laughs) We are done, (laughs) folks. My heart races when I see this car. It's cool. It's big, though. It's big. It's the Jag. Jag should build. Okay, yeah. It's beautiful. And it's a Kia. Are you out of your mind? (laughs) Others on that list are all the new Volvos. The Kia Optima. I just saw Kia Optima at the JW Marriott downtown Los Angeles. I was there yesterday, and one was in this gorgeous red and I'm going, that's an Optima. Why am I looking at the Optima? It looks really good to my eye. Proportions look good. Yeah. And two more, the Mazda MX-5. You could say that. Oh, I agree. And I think that the RF is is just a genuinely gorgeous car. Definitely up there. It's a gorgeous car. Tons of reliability. Yeah. And the Fiat 124 Spider. A little bit more polarizing, but classic yeah, roadster shape. I'm not shape. a big fan of the look, but at the same time, it hits its market. It hits its it, what Absolutely. it's going for, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. But I'm going with Kia Stinger as, wow, what is that? It's a Kia. No way. I'm not convinced. Hmm. When that car comes out, I cannot wait. Done. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Uh, so many questions have come up. You know, I actually, I forgot to tell you, I was talking to uh, James, the Stradman. 
Oh, yeah. Okay. He, he lives here in Park City. He does vlogs on all kinds of things. He used to have a Lotus Elise. He now has a Lamborghini Gallardo, and he kind of misses his Elise. He was at this car event I was at tonight. Cool. And so we're talking Elise, of course, and he was so thrilled that I got one. We're talking kind of up one side and down the other about it. We're talking, talking, and then he looks at me all of a sudden and goes, wait, you're not going to drive it in the winter, are you? <laughs> I love that he, a former owner, was like, you're not. I said, no, I'm, I'm probably not. He was like, okay, man, I was just uh, – because <laughs> many people have asked me that question because I'm telling them that I'm dailying it. I'm loving do it, driving it as a daily. But it was funny. James, who's funny. driven one and owned one for a long time, was like – all of a sudden just stopped mid-conversation went – Wait a minute. <laughs> he was gonna... thinking it all the way through as you were talking. He That's suddenly so realized who he was talking to. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a winter car, but uh, but it clearly could be warm enough because uh, you know all that radiant Absolutely. heat there. As yeah, long as not it's not raining, is mm-hmm. that yeah, interesting? Is, like snow, snow, fine. Snow, maybe. Actually, I say maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, you get a good sideways blizzard, it might you know come right in the side. For all I know, oh, based on what I experienced this morning, me to no end. Oh, it's terrible. Uh, wow. Um, okay, so many of you have asked variations on this question. Okay. Ted Adam Green asked on Facebook. Uh, Ed the Sled asked a variation of it on uh, on Instagram. What are the contrast comparisons of the FRA, FRS to the Elise? Kind of big picture perspective. First off, the Elise is faster in every single situation. In any gear, oh, sure. faster, period. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. People have asked because we we're talking about the same amount of power. We're talking about just under 200 horsepower, not a whole lot of torque, little four-cylinder. It is 700 pounds lighter, but in the, say. in the grand scheme, you know, you think 700 pounds lighter shouldn't be this much quicker. It is much quicker. Oh, and yeah. then yeah. where the FRS hit red line, okay, mm-hmm. right about 7,000 7, RPM, that's where there's the cam change. Oh, right, right, right. Which suddenly feels like a turbo boost or a downshift. All of a sudden, you've got all this extra power up top. Now, if you were listening to the radio up to 6,000 RPM. (laughs) Or talking on the phone, for that matter. Anything beyond 6,000 RPM, you no longer heard anything but the engine. It's howling, but my gosh, it's suddenly a genuinely quick car. Below 6,000, it just still has punch. And it has that consistent naturally aspirated punch that the FRS struggles with because of the torque dip. So it's faster all the time. Sure. It is significantly smaller. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, I, but, but it wasn't honestly until I was dailying the thing that I even realized how much smaller. You're tiny. You're smaller and lower. I am the height. I'm not kidding you. I'm the height of most people's license plates on the back of their cars. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah, finding yeah. I am noticing cars differently because I am at a different eye line. <laughs> the FRS is not a big car. It is a giant car compared to the Elise, which is interesting. And as evidenced by, there's no storage. Yeah, yeah. There's none. I mean, the FRS could swallow lots of things. I could take my wife and my son and a bunch of gear. This evening, I had my wife with her bags in her lap taking her somewhere. Of and my course. son was not even in the equation. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Son? Where's my son? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> but it is, I mean, it's, it's wonderful because, of course, we're talking about complete manual steering. Totally. Oh, yeah. And so that I find electrifying. I love that. It could get really annoying depending on who you are. I find it amazing. I'm so glad. But, I'm uh, so glad. but that's a big difference, too. And it is, you know, it, there, there are sacrifices involved. Most of them have to do with practicality <laughs> and not being able to take it through a car wash. I was going to say. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it actually is getting a little bit better gas mileage than the FRS, but it is sucking on a uh, thimble-sized gas tank. So I am filling up about a third more often. Well, we need to t- take the new photo of my Cayman and your Elise. Yes, we do. 
Now the blue and yellow. Yes, we do. We've got to take that Make photo that and the, the banner and replace for that. sure. Yep. It relates to Julian's question here on Facebook. He's asking, "When are we going to see the comparison between Todd's new Elise and Paul's GTS? A possible track battle? Maybe. I also think we need to do that thing we've been promising. A couple of you have asked this. We need to do that uh, canyon driving, either a combination, either canyon driving strategies or canyon driving etiquette, and we should use those two cars. Yes, yes, we should. I wish I had a camera today in the Jeep for. Filming cars ahead of me, and also the Cayman GTS, my entire Cayman GTS one-year ownership review is coming up, working on that, so that'll be coming out as well. Yeah, that'll be good. Took that for a nice drive and uh, and had fun with that. Uh, Did you see this uh, Cayman question here? Uh, Raleigh on Instagram said, major noticeable differences between Gen 1 Cayman. Actually, he's talking about all Gen 1. Gen 1 and 1.2. So it's the did, when it gets yes. launched in 07, and then they do the refresh, the 0.2 and 09. He's kind of saying, compare and contrast, is the 09 worth the, the price premium? Interesting you say that. You and I went and test drove an 09 yeah. for a friend of the show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously we both drive, we both drove my 07. By the way, if you want to identify 06s, they have the painted silver front inlets mm-hmm. on the very bottom of the, the front. The lower, clip. yeah, the lower rocker, the very lower, like, like lip spoiler, if you will, mm-hmm. is silver no matter what the color of the car. You're right. I forgot about that. Remember that? That's yeah. a way to identify those 06s, which they also did on 9934Ss. Sure, I'll go with you on that. They, yeah, they random bit of trivia there. But uh, the first gen seemed to have a more raw feel to them. Well, you mean the Gen 1 1. Gen, the Gen 1 1 2. Correct, correct. If you will. This is all Porsche speak. Hang on. Yes, and that's what I mean. So the 06 to 08 cars, and actually more of the 06 07 cars. I think this, the changeover started in 08 hmm. because I felt differences in 08. And then 09, you felt like, okay, this is more of a substantial car, even though it's the same car. Yeah, I remember you telling me that. But we likened it to sound deadening. I mean, everything is still there. The yeah. components yeah, yeah, are yeah, still yeah. there. Um, you I mean, know, the IMS, of course, any IMS worries were now cured. At that's that the reason. That, that's the number one reason uh, that the 09s are getting a price premium is because that's yeah. the there's no chance of IMS. But honestly, don't do the price premium and fix the IMS if it worries you. I mean, you're probably going to still car. come out ahead. You know, when you do the clutch, fix it while you're in there. The fix is fourteen hundred bucks, mm-hmm. and yeah, put the new bearing in, and you're good. I mean, I I did drive them both, but I did not notice the nuances like you did. It was interesting to talk to you about it because you thought very subtly that the very early cars were a little more raw, and not in a bad way, good way comparison. It was just you kind of got out and went. It depends on what you want. Because here it yeah. was the same car, but you kept talking about how the point two was just a tiny bit more refined, a little bit less raw. So who are you as a driver? Mm-hmm. I do think the price premium comes down entirely to IMS worries. Do you? You think I, it's just I think that it's alone? Ju- I think it's just that. Because look, yeah. because there's no other reason why the 996s and the early 997, 911s are so cheap. It's IMS worries. Hmm. Sure. Yeah, we've got an email here from Matt on... Uh, on our email talking about uh, some over revs and he's shopping for Porsches and he sent us bright motors in San Diego, I think. And he's way, way into the weeds about uh, ECU downloads and over revs and all of the fun stuff that bright, Porsches discuss. Yep. Brightmotorcars.com and they have a huge selection of 06s. Hmm. And I'm thinking, what a great place to go get clean 06s and not worry about it. Just well, 
Fantastic. And you know what's interesting about the 06 Cayman? I was wondering where they were hanging out, and I found them. <laughs> Funny. Generally, I am not a fan. I mean, just evidenced by uh, by the Lotus I did not buy first year, even though FRS I did. But in general, I, I want people to be a little bit wary of year one of a new model. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting about the 06 Cayman is the 06 Cayman is the same essential bones, if you will, as the introduced new for 05 Boxster. Right. So in right. some ways, Porsche had already been building them a year before they released the Cayman. Correct. So I would buy an 06 Cayman. Yeah, there's a boatload of them on here. I'm just going, all right, I wondered where all the uh, the 06s went. Yeah. And uh, all the clean ones are here, so apparently that's where to find them. <laughs> Uh, yeah, thanks for sending that in as well. Uh, what else? Um, Allison wrote in on Facebook and said he's considering an E46 M3 as his first rear-wheel drive sports car. Ooh. And then his next question is, nice choice or suicide choice? Uh, how much money do you have? That is a good question. And how much tolerance for maintenance and fixing do you have? Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, Allison, I think it's a great first choice. I think it's a fantastic first choice. You would love it, and you would... Uh, this is going to sound oversimplified, but you would suddenly get BMWs. That great inline six, really... The, the, the Simple is good. The, I, the prime, I agree. The prime of their best steering feel. Yeah. That car does it all very well. Now, pick your forum of choice and look up the issues that those cars have at this point. Start with the rear subframe. And on right, it goes. Right, subframe cracking. So those, those cars will probably require some money at some point during your ownership. And I mean like more than just oil changes and tires. So if you have a tolerance for that, I say yes. If you want to just buy something and have it just run, I'm going to lean you more toward the Miatas and the S2000s of the world. Mm-hmm. And maybe even a used FRS, BRZ. Because they're newer and they're probably going to be more, they're going to be less likely to nickel and dime you. But the E46 is a, that's an icon in a big, big way. And I think you're really going to love it. To use your term, it's very much a thoroughbred from that era. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'd say, you know, I want to recommend get the nicest one you can find, but then I don't want you to be, ooh, I don't want to put miles on it, you know, that kind of thing. But then you don't want the ones that have 73,000 miles and the service records are spotty. You don't want that car. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. something's coming. I, th- I think it's in good shape. I mean, Run away screaming. Dental yeah. floss, duct tape, and it's just hanging yeah. together. What's going to go? What's going to mm-hmm. cost me yeah. money? So in the you know 30,000 miles or the 40,000 mile cars that have just been kind of driven and enjoyed, yeah. or you've got somebody with 80,000 miles and every service record from new, Yes. Go buy that car. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. You it's going to be about what is the life of the car been prior to you. And just yeah. knowing, like uh, the owner, Jamie, of the the gorgeous, gorgeous yes. E46 M3 we had on our film icon. We're going to seek a blue. He, he, yeah, it was it was the exactly the way you want it. Exactly the way you want it. But he made the comment when um, <laughs> when something serious broke on the car, it had a tendency to cost five figures. He just made that comment to me <laughs> casually, and I was like, ouch, <laughs> ouch, that hurts. So yeah. now, Jamie's the kind of guy that if anything went wrong with the car, he fixed it right away. But Sure. You know, and he has a collection of BMWs. He has like a, a long history of BMWs. So that's yeah. the other thing about yeah. Jamie. But he, he just made that comment to me. He was like, you know, if something goes wrong, it has a tendency to be five figures. And I was just like, Whoa. and I'm getting out of the car now. You Whoa. know? Oh, man. <laughs> Okay, what else? Uh, actually, Nick A. on Instagram asked us about the LC500. This new okay. Lexus yeah. GT Coupe 
thing. I, I saw one in the wild while test driving the Elise in L.A. Did you really? Yeah. Pulled, I've not seen one, alongside one in the sheet metal yet. They look great. Really? They look great. Okay. All right. I think, in fact, Craig, who I bought the, the Lotus from, was working at Toyota when they were designing it. That's and we right. both kind of were talking about the same thing. I think it nails its market segment. But okay. its market segment is the guy that buys an Aston Martin new or buys a loaded Jaguar F-Type new, that kind of world. You're not... Is that an older demographic it, you're thinking? And it's more GT thinking. Yeah, yeah. High speed. It's it's more GT, classy car that feels nice thinking. It's not, where's my canyon, where's my track? And I think it nails that world. And it is... It's got presence on the road. Mm-hmm. I mean, my answer, Nick, is yes. We're both intrigued. I'm interested in that car. But naturally, Todd and I are going to want to put it with something. So the question is, if we drive the LC500, what's it go with that's really intriguing? The M6, uh, just the 650 coupe, something from Mercedes. I mean, I, I stopped by the Mercedes of downtown LA dealer okay. yeah. just on my trip. Just sure, killing sure. a little bit of time. Okay, cool. And yes, when I'm bored and I need to kill some time before dinner, I look do go to car dealerships. This is what I, am, I do. I am less than surprised, yes. I just walked in and I'm walking around going, I, why? Who buys these cars? This is not me. And mm-hmm. I really appreciate them. And to Laura's story up front, she got a great Mercedes. Sure, yeah. But I'm looking at these, you know, S63 convertible. $261,000. Ouch. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the huge, I mean, they're just, they just insulate you from everything, and they're just huge, just bombs. And yeah. they do it so well, and yeah. they're so fast and amazing. But I think, where's the stick shift driving enthusiast, the BMWs that we love? That's not. It's not in this dealership. That's not their market segment at all. And they're not expensive, at all. gorgeous. Very expensive. Hugely and powerful. really well built. Yeah. Incredible cars. I'm just going, I. I, I'm going to keep walking down to Porsche. It is interesting how that's the case when you when you have like that car dealer row. Yeah, and and whoever <laughs> you are, whoever you are, there are certain just whole makes of cars that you're just like, eh. I think that's kind of common. Not I think, I, I no, but I think that's common. I think we all have certain kind of brand ethos, if you will, that we don't mm-hmm. resonate with. This brand is trying to be something. Look, I, I, I'll go there, Lexus. In general, right? I get it. I also don't care. We're talking about the LC five hundred. That's my worry. I'm very impressed. I'm very no, but they'll find they'll find people for it. We're talking about well, the LC five hundred for us because we'll both think, well, these are just so capable and good, and neither of us are going to want to or could afford them. So yeah, okay. What's to say? They're awesome. But it'd be interesting to see how that car ages in price. Because when it comes down a bit, it might be an interesting, just like the uh, used Aston Martin Vantage. Sure. Let's, I'll go this route. I'll go this route right now. Five years from now, I would feel much more confident recommending the LC500 to someone than a used Aston Martin Vantage. Oh, and absolutely. I think sure. it, you're sure. buying the same car, kind of. Yeah. Now, I personally would go Aston, but I'm kind of a glutton for punishment. I got rained on today inside my own Lotus Elise. <laughs> more British cars. But, but still, <laughs> you know, it's not for everyone. I'm a little crazy. I, I love that story. But yeah, I mean, we we like Lexus. We like the ISFs. We like yes. the, the, the current ISFs. ISFs is awesome. The GF, the GSF Sport, 
yeah. is a shockingly good big performance sedan that I would never be in the market for. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's it, and that's not. I'm not damning it with faint praise. There, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I just that's not the kind of car I'd ever buy. Yeah, I, but there I are that people that buy those. Feeling in the Mercedes sure. dealership. I just yeah. these are amazing, expensive, beautiful, incredibly capable machines. Mm-hmm. I am not interested in any of them. Yeah, maybe the SUVs catch my eye, but, but it, yeah. yeah. But but I think okay. this is the great thing about cars in general. Honestly, I mean, you and I try really hard when we drive cars to think about them outside of the badge. Yeah. And yeah. and just drive it for what it is, not for what the badge claims it is. Absolutely. And that's really interesting. And we get surprised a lot as a result. But I do think it's interesting how brands start down certain roads. This is the reason I talk about Mazda so much, because Mazda is worried about the things that I, as a driver, am worried about. That doesn't mean that I'm right. It just mm-hmm. means that's the car that connects with me in the same way as the person you fall in love with and your friend goes, eh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They're sure. fine. You know, and, and honestly, your friend may have no issue with that person. They just don't find them the least bit engaging, and you are you're falling over. It's the same thing with cars, and I love that cars do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at the SLC, the closest thing that could be to the stick shift, fun, sporty, and it's still this big, heavy Mercedes to me. Mm. I, I'm just sort of like, yeah, okay. Interesting, okay. Anyway, so I, I like to think the LC500 has sporting intentions. We'd love to find out. Oh, I think it'll be. But it's got to be paired with the right car yeah. to extract that feeling, to really have, okay, here's where this stands. Here's where that car could sit. I think, I think the F-Type is its, is its, real, is its real genuine F-Type, yeah, genuine the Coupe competitor. could be interesting. I think that's a real place to put it. Yeah. Like the base cars of both of those could be interesting. That would be cool. The V6 cool. F-Type. Yeah, the V6 F-Type has such fantastic balance. That it really cool. is very cool, yeah. And you know what else should go with that LC500? Honestly... Hmm. Is a 911. Yeah, I mean that is kind of you're thinking Vantage because Vantage was against the 911. That was Aston sort of mm-hmm. considering a 911. Yeah, have you taken a look at the Vantage? Yeah. And and you know the the 911 is one of those cars. Interestingly enough, we talk, I know we talk about it one side, uh, all the sides, all the time. We hmm. paddle around hmm. in the pool of Porsche, in spite of the Heck fact yeah. that I keep trying to climb out of the pool. <laughs> we wind up in there anyway. <laughs> but but the 911 is one of those cars that you have the guys that buy 911s just. To cruise. They're never going to push it that hard. They just like everything about being in it, which is the GT mentality, yeah. LC500. Yeah. And then you have the guys that buy certain variations. It's why they have 20, however many, thousand 911 variations, because you can get your hardcore track car or you can get your Cruise Europe GT car. The LC500 sure. is only going to have the GT variation. I doubt it's going to have the track-friendly variation. <laughs> but when you see one on the road, that presence says, I succeeded here for sure. Interesting. I mean, they've done a lot with that brand, and it's its own thing now. It's pretty cool. All right, quick radar detectors from John. Valentine one. That's not an endorsement, <laughs> but it is an endorsement. That's the, the beginning and end <laughs> of your discussion there. I love that. Guys, thank you so much. We really, really appreciate it. Keep your questions coming. And if you've got your own car debate, Everyday Driver TV at Gmail and on the website, Send us your debates, and we really appreciate the follow-up as well. Looking forward to next time. Cheers. Technology Truths, brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth, you will certainly send any text about your supervisor to your supervisor. What's with Janet's bangs? Did she lose a bet with a weed whacker? LOL. And sent. Wait, no, 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 no. Truth. It's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at Geico.com. Janet, I think my phone was hacked or something. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. 
I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. Federal government worker Blake Murray in D.C. says he's pretty much had it with the partial government shutdown. It's pretty demoralizing, um, you know, and I feel like kind of a pawn in a political game and totally powerless. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is asking President Trump to postpone his January 29th State of the Union address, citing security concerns. But Republicans say this is just politics, shutdown politics, a move intended to keep President Trump off the national stage. Going to prison for 20 years, a Tennessee teacher who took a 15-year-old student and ran for weeks. Prosecutor Dan Cochran. I think it's a serious sentence. 20 years is a significant amount of time. He's going to have all that time to think about what he did, the consequences of it. We asked for 30, obviously, but 20 is a very serious sentence, and we feel good about it. An employee and a customer at an IHOP restaurant in Huntsville, Alabama, were killed in a shooting that also injured another employee. I'm Rita Foley.